Hello, and welcome to the Agape House of Worship weekly podcast. Through this podcast, we hope and pray that you will be equipped and empowered to live the life that God has planned for you. If you are blessed by this message and would like more information, please visit our website at www.agapehousenj.org. Thank you and God bless. Simple, your word is powerful. Your word can pierce to the dividing asunder of our soul and spirit. Your word can go to the deepest part of our heart. Uh, Your word can accomplish anything it is intended to accomplish. I'm asking this morning you will speak. Speak because we are ready to listen. Let your word come with simplicity. But let let it come with grace. Let it come with power. Thank you because you have answered our prayer. In Jesus' name we have prayed. This morning I feel the Lord gave me a message that is very simple. Uh, it's powerful as well, because I think it affects the way we live our life in general. I just call the message, Bible Answers to Life Key Questions. And I think, in there, I think there are, I believe there are about five questions that bug all of us. They are internal questions. They are not always, we don't always express them the same way. They express differently in our heart. Oftentimes, there are questions in our heart and in our mind that we try to find answers to. Sometimes we don't even know the questions or we express them differently, but we know something is missing. So we're going to go through some of these questions, and I trust that the Holy Spirit will take this and speak to you in Jesus' name. I'll go through the list of those five questions, and I will try to answer them from the scriptural way. Number one is the question of identity, is who am I? I believe everybody goes through life asking at one time or the other, who am I? Who am I? It's a question of identity. The second question is where do I come from? It's a question of origin. I believe at some point if you're sitting here, you've asked yourself, where do I come from? The third question that we ask ourselves most most often is the question of purpose. Why am I here? What am I doing here? Why am I here on earth? Why am I here right now? We all go through these questions in our mind. And the fourth question that we ask ourselves is, what happens when I die? Uh, Most people, you ask yourself that question. Those questions have come to your mind. What happens when I die? But there's there's a fifth question that we also ask. Why do I feel something is wrong? Or why do I always feel I am missing something in my life? Now, there's a lot of people who have tried to answer these questions. And I think most people, a lot of brilliant people, philosophers, uh, you know, they've tried to answer these questions. But these questions can be answered generally in two different ways. We can approach this question or the answering this question from a just pure, secular, humanistic way. And I'm going to go through each of these questions and tell you how, from a secular, humanistic way, how each of these questions will be answered. And, but from a scriptural way, how these questions have been answered to us by God. Amen. 
The first question is the question of identity. Who am I? So maybe you've asked yourself this question. Who am I really? Really, from a naturalistic way, is answered by I'm a random cosmic accident, nothing special. That's the humanistic answer to that. I'm just a random person. After all, there are six, seven billion now, right? People on earth, why should I be special? So I'm, not, I'm just a random person. I'm just an accident. I just happen to be here. There's nothing special. There's nothing unique to me. That's how our natural mind answer that. Or the natural humanistic answer to that is you're nothing. But the scripture answers that differently. The scripture answers that and says you are an intended creation of God. In fact, Psalm 139 answers that very well. If you read the old chapter, it's, it's a beautiful answer to that. And I'll read verse 14, 13 and 14. Verse 13 and 14 says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that fully well. Those discernments was answering this question to us. Because he's, he's asked this question himself. And he came to the conclusion, I am not an accident. I am not a random cosmic accident. I am special. In fact, the Lord needs me together. Using the word meeting means there is something special about it. You know, I'm not a product of a cookie cutter. No, I am knitted. All right? It's a, I'm an intended creation of God, lovingly, carefully, fearfully, and wonderfully created of God. Amen. Amen. So the question of identity is answered to you. So in case you are here, you're suffering, I mean, you're struggling with answering that, hopefully this begins an answer for you. Amen. Amen. Let's look at the second question. Where do I come from? So what's my origin? Where do I come from? Right? The secular humanistic answer to that, I mean, it's, 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 it's documented. Believes that we are just from Africa somewhere, possibly, you know, look at those big words, right? Homo hegibegnensis, Homo rodicensis, Homo antecessor. You know, just we, we just evolved. I mean, we just came from, the, you know, something, the rock. People have, there are all kinds of theories. We go online, there are all kinds of theories. But the Bible gives us a, a clear answer of where we are from. And we can find that from the scripture. You are created by God. Actually, we are from two things. We are from the dust and we are from the breath of God. Genesis chapter 1 uh, verse 27 answers part of this for us. He says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So I am a product of an intelligent design. I'm a product. Genesis uh, verse 2 I mean, chapter 2, right, verse 7, further clarifies that. It said, then the Lord God formed a man 
from the dust of the ground. So we know from the dust of the ground. And breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So you, there's an origin. There's a part of us, our physical body, that came from the ground. All right? And that part goes back to the ground. Right? That's, that's what happened when, we, when, we, when people are buried. Goes to the ground. All right? There's a part of us. But there's a part of us that is eternal, that comes from God. I want you to notice that man became a living soul because of the breath of God. So the breath of God comes into us and makes us a living being, right? So the question of origin is answered. If you ever ask yourself, where do I come from? You are from God. You are a creation of God Almighty. Of course, some part of you is from the dust, from the, God, from the earth, but the real part of you comes from God. That leads us to the third question. Why am I here? What's my purpose? Why was I put here? From, like we said, the secular, humanistic point of view, there's no reason why you're here. All right? You're from nowhere. You're heading nowhere. And we're from nowhere. We just exist to do whatever we want. Now, if you believe that, you are going to live your life differently. I want you to know that if you believe you're a random cosmic accident, if you believe you're just a product of, you know, something somewhere, and if you believe you're here for no good reason, you're going to make choices differently. You're going to view yourself differently. Your feeling about yourself, about your life, about your future is going to be different. But the scripture answers our purpose for us. Our purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. These are scriptures to note. It said, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. I want you to notice all things. And for thy pleasure, they are and were created. So you were created to please God, to give God, to give God pleasure. Bible says you were created to give him pleasure. You were created to give him glory. Romans chapter 11 verse 36, the Bible says, For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. You were created by him, through him, and for him. So we exist to glorify God. And I want to announce to you, your life, we glorify God. It doesn't matter what you're going through now. It doesn't matter how hard things are. It doesn't matter. Even your challenges will glorify God. All right? So you have to understand that. You have to understand that God created you so you can bring glory to him. All right? Hallelujah. That leads us to the fourth question. I think I'm doing very good. I've gone through four hours already, right? All right, I'm doing so good. What happens when I die? From a pure secular humanistic answer is nothing. All right? You just die and return to earth and nothing happens after. 
But the Bible has a very, very different answer to that. I go to heaven when I die. If I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, heaven is my goal. If I reject him as a Savior, hell is my goal. So it's very important to know that. And I'm going to read a few scriptures for you. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only is one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish. It's not God's plan for you to just perish on the ground when you die, but to have eternal life. I want you to remember there is a part of us. We are not just physical body going around. No, the body is the house that we live in. Many people don't know that. Many people think we're just physical body, just roaming around. And when something happens, we die, that's the end of it. That is not the end of it. You are a spirit from God. You live in a body. Praise the name of Jesus. That's important. So God loved the world and he gave his only son so that when we believe in him, we shall not perish, but have eternal life. Hebrews 9.27 answers that also and says, Just as people are destined to die once and after to face judgment. That means there is life after death. I want you to turn to your neighbor. There is life after death. Amen. That's important. Jesus answers this in John chapter 11, verse 25. Jesus said, Talking to Mary now, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Hallelujah. I want to let you know you will live even though you die. There is life after death. There is eternity. It doesn't all just end air. All right? That's important. The last question that I will spend a little bit time on is what is wrong with me? Or why do I feel something is wrong or missing? Why do I always feel that? And if you're going to be honest, many of us, we have those feelings. We just know something is missing. Somehow, something, when I am myself and I think there's always a sense that there's something missing. There's something, just, just there's no real fulfillment. From a humanistic answer to that is nothing is wrong. Nothing is missing. All feelings are subjective. Just dismiss that feeling and live your life. But I want to submit to you today, there's something wrong with all of us. But the good thing is that thing has been taken care of. The scripture answer to that is sin separates us from God and erodes our peace. And that is what is wrong, all human. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 says, but your iniquities, which is sin, that's another word for sin, have separated you from God. This is God talking to the children of Israel. He said, your iniquity have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So what is wrong? The reason why we go through life unfulfilled, incomplete, lack of peace is because there's something that separates us 
from our maker, from God that created us. And the Bible also says, all of us, there's no exception, we have been subject to the power of sin. Romans chapter 3, I'll read a few verses from verse 9 somewhere there, says, Jews and Gentiles alike are under the power of sin. All right? As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There's no one that does good, not even one. That's God's conclusion. I was talking to a young man yesterday who was having a back to school. You know, we're talking about eternity. So I asked him a question. Are you sure if you die today, you will go to heaven? And he said, yes. I said, that's good. I said, what makes you to be sure? He said, I think I'm good 85% of the time. I said, that's a problem. The problem with the God that we deal with only accepts 100%. There's no 80, there's no 85. You're either 100 or you're zero. So whether you're 90, whether you're 10, we are all in the same category. And he said, wow, that's a serious problem. <laughs> <laughs> But I told him the good news. I always say the bad news first and the good news second. The good news is there's a perfect card that we can present to God. Jesus gave us his righteousness. So we don't present our righteousness. The only, perf- the only perfection he accepts is the righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says he gave us his righteousness. So that's important. Hallelujah. So there is no one that seeks God. Roman, in verse 23 of that same chapter, he said, For all have sinned. He didn't say some. He didn't say many. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All right? There's a glorious ideal. There's a reason he made us. There's a standard. There's a glorious standard that he, he intended for all of us. Sin makes us to miss that. All of us sin, and we fell short. And that is why there is always a feeling of something wrong. That's why there is fear. Fear of death, fear of eternity. That's why there is uneasiness. That's why there is a feeling that there is something missing. There is a man that really experienced this and expressed it for us in Romans chapter 7. This is one, you know, a great man, apostle, one of the followers of Jesus Christ, he said in verse, starting from verse 15, he said, I do not understand what I do. And I think as we read this, that will probably describe many of us. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I, I agree that the law is good. We all know what is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Because I know what is good. I want to do, what, to do what is good, but I find myself doing what is not good. That means there is some force working in me, making me to do what is not good. It is sin. Verse 18. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. In my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, 
but I cannot carry it out. I am weak. Verse 19. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, I do not want to do, it is no longer I would do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So sin is serious. It's what, it is not just action. It is nature. Did you get that? Sin is nature. It's describing sin as a nature that makes us to just do something wrong, hate people, despise people. It's the root cause of all the ills in the world, hatred, racism. Malice, murder, it is the root cause. There's something that just makes us, it's a, it's a nature. And the consequence of sin, whether it's little, whether it's big, is lack of peace. There is lack of fulfillment. There's a sense that something is missing. But the worst consequence of it is eternal damnation, which we must avoid. But the good news is, Jesus came to save us from the consequence of sin and to reconcile us back to God. One of the first things he gives us is peace with God. It's an assurance. Between me and God, there is peace now. One of the assurances he gives us is God is happy with me. If you're a true believer, a born-again believer, that is the greatest gift you receive. That you can think, you can wake up and say, you know what? He's smiling over me. He's happy with me. He loves me. He cares for me deeply. He wants everything good for me. He causes everything to work out for good for, my, for me. So Jesus came to save us from the consequence of sin. And this is clearly articulated for us. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21 when the angel appeared to Mary and told Mary about the birth of Jesus Christ, he said she would give, actually the angel was talking to Joseph now. After the angel appeared to Mary, went to Joseph, said she will give birth to a son and you are going to give him the name Jesus. I want you to see this. Because he will save his people from their sin. All right? The problem of sin was dealt with by Jesus. Very important. Problem of sin. That is why he came, to reconcile man back to God. You see, to remove what is missing, to remove a sense of the feeling that we go around with, feeling that something is wrong and something is missing. You don't have to go through life with that feeling. You don't have to go through life with that body. We don't have to go through life unsure of what is going to happen after you die. Because Jesus made give us that assurance. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him, which is God. God made him. God made Jesus. Who knew no sin to be sin for us. Hallelujah. That was the verse I shared with my friend yesterday. That God took care of the same problem. By making Jesus born of a virgin, Jesus uh, perfect, righteous, no sin, there's nothing, there's no blemish in him. 
He made him to be sin for us. So when he went to the cross, he did not go to the cross for his own sin. He went to the cross for my sin. All right? God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Right? So that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the righteousness we present to God. All right? That's the righteousness. Because by ourselves, maybe you can get 85. Maybe you can get 60. Some of us will try hard. You will never get there. But we have a righteousness to present. That is the righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. And how do we obtain that righteousness? Obviously, by accepting the gift of righteousness that he gave. That's why the scripture says salvation is a gift from God. It is not something we can earn. You see, none of us, no matter how hard we try, we will never be able to earn God's salvation. No matter how hard we try, you will never meet that standard of perfection that God has. But the Bible says, if you declare with your mouth, that is Romans chapter 10. I'm going to read that and we're going to close. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. This is God's promise. There will be an exchange. You will, it will, there will be an exchange. What Jesus did on the cross of Calvary becomes your experience. Now, it happened over 2,000 years ago, but it can become your experience now by faith. All right? For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. All right? To be justified is to be declared just, declared righteous. Even though you might have done something wrong, but God decided you are justified. All right? That's what happened to us. That's the life of a Christian. That's why a Christian should be the most humble person, all right? That's why we should be the most grateful person, because we recognize even though that we were justified, all right? In spite of our sin, you know, we received justification, all right? I believe God is, I'm saying, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. And that is the gospel. And that's, that answers my final question. And I would like to pray and close my message today. Can we bow down our heads while we pray? If there are people here today, you want to experience peace with God. You want to experience that feeling of fulfillment, completeness, that God is pleased with you, that your sins are forgiven. I'd like you to raise up your right hand and I'll just pray. I just want to identify you so I can pray with you. Thank you for those hands. Please, I'll, I'll give you a few more seconds. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. I'd like to just pray with you all here. Can you please stand up? I just want to pray so I know who I'm praying for. Please stand up. Thank you. God bless you. Please stand up. Just people, thank you. May God bless you. I want you to put your hands on your chest and I will just pray for you. It is very simple. We, we read it. You declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart. This is a faith issue. God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. 
And that's a powerful thing. That's a major promise from God. The most consequential promise that God gave to us. And I want you to just repeat after me as I pray. I want you to say, I declare with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart today that he died for me because of my sin. And he was buried. And God raised him from the dead. Today, I accept Jesus. I accept his offering. And I accept his righteousness. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I'm going to pray while you're standing. Just pray. Father, I thank you for everyone today who raised their hand on their feet. I thank you for this gospel message presented to them by the power of your spirit. I thank you because they've declared boldly, professing with their mouth, confessing that Jesus died for them, that Jesus paid the price. Father, the Bible says, no one that comes to you will you turn away. Lord, I pray you will not turn any of these away. I pray that the supernatural salvation, the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, that regenerate hearts will take place in their life right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I commend all of them to you, to the Holy Spirit. I pray, Holy Spirit, you will teach them, guide them, teach them to know your love, teach them to walk with you, teach them to obey you, teach them to live their life, pleasing you all the days of their lives. Thank you because you have answered our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may have your seat. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Before I say my final prayer, if you made that decision, I like to pray for you. I like to continue to pray for you. Part of my commitment is to pray for you. The bulletin you have as a tear off during the offering, just make sure you write your name. You know, the decision you made today, put it in the offering. They will give them to me, and I will continue to pray for you. Let us pray. Father, thank you. Father, we honor you. I just pray today that this word that we have heard will be seeds in our heart that will be rooted, grow, and produce fruits. Thank you because you have answered our prayer. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. God bless you.